It is a good day. <laughs> it's a great day. We are to celebrate fathers, not just because I am one, but because I came from one, and because we serve one, and it's important that we honor fathers. You know, as we talk about Father's Day today, it's, uh, it's important that we recognize that we are a model of our Heavenly Father. That fathers are just that. We are a model of our Heavenly Father. And that's a lot of responsibility to place on a man, isn't it? We're going to talk about today, that today. Um, we are made in the image of God. And we are to be the physical touch of our Heavenly Father to those on earth. It's a great responsibility. I want to ask a couple of questions this morning, one now and then one at the end of the message that I hope will help us all understand dads a little bit better and understand what our relationship is with God our Father and our family. But first let me pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were here this morning. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you for ministering to us. Now, I pray that you would minister through this sermon today. I pray that you would do your work and do your, do your will. Accomplish what you would like to today in our hearts. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a father. Let me ask you a question. Is God everyone's father? Is he the father of every man, woman, and child on this planet and it has ever lived. Is God the Father? Sounds like a trick question, doesn't it? Think about that for a minute. Because this provides the context for the rest of this message. I want to go to the Word of God to answer that question. This is the Word of God. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Verses 14 and 18. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Here's the answer to the question. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. All right, do you see what God is saying here? how it makes it perfectly clear that darkness and light cannot be in harmony. A person willfully living a sinful life is living in darkness. There is no unity with lightness and darkness. Light drives out darkness. They cannot coexist. John chapter 14 verse 6 and 7. Let me answer it another way, and maybe even this is maybe even more direct if you still don't know the answer. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So let me ask the question again. 
Is God everyone's father? No, he is not. If you're not a Christian, if you have not come through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, God is not your father. Happy Father's Day. That's so important for us to understand because the world doesn't see it that way. The world thinks that God is our Heavenly Father. No matter who I am, no matter how I live, no matter what choices I've made, I have a Heavenly Father. I know it seems politically incorrect to say this, but you know, when we read the Bible, a lot of the Bible is politically incorrect in today's vernacular because we're living in the end days. We're living in a time when right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. So if you want to know, if you want to have a Heavenly Father, then you have to have Jesus. Now understand, here's the good news. God wants to be your Father. He wants to be more than anything else. He wants to be your Father. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus. So that when we accept Jesus, we have a relationship with the Father. So we have to make that as our number one premise. Paul says in Romans, he says in Romans 8, chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, he says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Do you hear that? We are sons of God. For those that live by the Spirit of God, we are sons of God. He is our Father. Verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which is a really personal word. A very, it's like saying daddy. It's like saying, you know, whatever you want to say to call your daddy. I'm not really into the mushy stuff like that, but if it's papa or daddy, it's Abba, it's father. It is the most uh, emotional, packed way to say it because that's the way Jesus reflected his way with his father. The Spirit himself, verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So, if you are a Christian man or a Christian woman today, you have a heavenly father. You know, it's not a coincidence that God calls earthly fathers by the same name. God didn't have to set up families here on earth with our human fathers being called by the same title as father. Why did he do that? He could have said he could have called fathers anything. He could have he we could have been mothers and surrogates or mothers and uncles or mothers and whatever. He didn't have to call human dads fathers. So why did he do that? Why did he call us as dads here, fathers, when he calls himself father. 
that's a pretty weighty question, and there's a really good answer to it. The reason that he calls us human fathers as fathers is because we are to be in a, in a replication, an exact replication of our Heavenly Father. Now, men, that puts a lot of pressure on us. It doesn't make you be perfect because you can't do it in yourself. But it does make us have an appreciation for understanding what it means to come under the authority of God, God our Heavenly Father. Because if I want to be seen as a heavenly or a godly father, then I must come under his authority. I must come under godly um, authority and his purpose. I cannot do it my way. And be like God. Because God's ways are so much above my ways. I can't even begin to comprehend God's ways. But I have to come under his authority. If I think I can do it my way and still be considered a godly man, that's false teaching. And we need to, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. So it's so important, men, that we have to come under the authority of God so that we then can be a replicated version or we can be an exact copy of a Heavenly Father. So what does it mean to be a father? I've broken it fathers down into five major categories this morning. Five major categories this morning that what it means to be a father. Number one, there to be a um, progenitor. Progenitor means a um, bringing forth to life or a life giver. There to be a provider, there to be a protector, there to be a playmate, and there to be a priest. So we're going to talk about those five different categories this morning of what it means to be a father. First of all, we are made in the image of God. We are given the account in Genesis where God created man and he made him in the likeness of God. We are made in God's image. Genesis 5, verses 1 through 3. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they created, when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. All right? So at the very beginning, God created man, and he made it men... He made men and women to be progenitors or replicators or uh, they would multiply and they would have offspring. Most men can father children, meaning they can perform the necessary actions to conceive. But becoming a father and living like one are different things. It takes a man of good character to be a father in the image of God, our Heavenly Father. And here's the scary point of reality. Most times, children become like their fathers. The character of the dad comes out in little Johnny, in the words that he speaks, in his conduct, in his moral choices, in his spiritual interests. And in the end, most of the time, children take on a similar image and likeness of their father. Again, more pressure, dads, but your kids are watching. Your little daughters and your little sons are watching. And they take on the likeness of them. John chapter 8, verse 39, 
says, Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. You become like your father. John chapter 8, verse 44, skipping down a little bit. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if you're, you're either going to be a, a father, you're going to be the image of God as an, as, a, as an Abraham's descendant, or you're going to be a descendant or the likeness of the devil if you're, uh, if you're a sinner. And you're going to take on his image. You're going to take on the image of one of those two father figures. Abraham or the devil. Then going on in, chap- in, in verse 47 of that same chapter, it says, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So there is clearly a demarcation or there's a call for men to choose who you're going to be like. Who is going to be your daddy? Are you going to follow God? Are you going to follow the the God of Abraham? Or are you going to follow the age of this world, the, the father of this world who is the father of lies? You're going to be like one of the two. Now, there's one thing that's interesting here because I know that we have different stages of different phases of, of, of dadhood here. We have different ages of sons and daughters. And I, I want to take a, a, a different perspective here a little bit, and I want to just share something to say that, you know, it's really not your fault. If you've raised your kids the best you can, and if your children are of adult age, and if they make bad choices, dads, that's not your fault. No more than this example would be the farmer's fault. If a farmer was going to plant a harvest, and he was going to, in the spring, plant a harvest of corn, he would go out and he would prepare the field. And he would cultivate it, and he would do everything he can to prepare the field to receive the seed. And then after he planted planted the seeds, he would fertilize it, and maybe even put some weed agent down, or he would do whatever he could to um, protect that seed and give it the best chance of growing into productive corn stalks. Now come, now he plants it in spring. He's got to wait all summer. He does his work. He makes sure it's irrigated. He makes sure that he gets watered. He does everything he can to protect that and for it to grow. Come fall now, here's a question to the farmer. Can you guarantee me, farmer, that you're going to have a good crop? And the farmer is going to say, no, I can't guarantee that. Because there's too many variables that come in the process of the kernel growing. There's too many pr- variables that I can't control. I don't know if there's going to be a pestilence. I don't know if there's going to be a drought. I don't know if there's going to be, uh, if I got bad seed to begin with. There's too many variables. So I cannot guarantee that my corn, I'm going to have a good yield. Not a very, not a very encouraging thing to hear. But let, me, but let me put a little spin on it differently here. Let's say that same farmer goes out and he plants the seed in the spring and then goes to the beach and doesn't do anything at all to prepare the seed or to prepare the field after that. He just plants the seed, throws it in the ground, leaves it, doesn't worry about it being irrigated, doesn't worry about it being fertilized, and just goes goes on vacation. Now ask the farmer, what's what's your yield going to be? Now he probably will give you a guarantee it's not going to be much of a yield. 
So if you put everything you into it, if you put everything you can into the field to prepare the seed and to prepare it, then take assurance that you've done everything you can do. Now pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest brings a harvest and that you will have a good harvest. And dads, pray then that the Holy Spirit still stays with your kids. And that's, a, that, and that's a biblical perspective that we can do that. So we are not trying to put blame on dads. We're not trying to put pressure on them undue. But we are saying, though, it takes more than just fathering a child to be a dad or to be a father. To be a father means you have to put effort in. You have to put extra effort in. It means you have to do everything you can that you can possibly do to make sure that you have a good crop of your kids, a good harvest with your kids. All right, number two, fathers are providers. They're providers of many things. Fathers provide homes to live in, food to eat, clothes to wear, guidance and counsel of life issues, emotional support and stability, and they provide an example to live by. Good or bad, they provide an example to live by. So it's a natural extension of our Heavenly Father to be a provider of all the things necessary in our life because God provides for us. And then we provide for our children. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good gifts, good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Dad's here. You don't have to be rich to give good gifts to your kids. It's not what you give to them. It's in material possessions, it's what you give of yourself to them. So we're not talking about every having to, everybody's got to have a new car and, and everybody's got to have a new iPod and everybody's got to have the, that We're not talking about that. That, that adds too much material possessions and, and too much focus on today what we can give them materially. But what they need is they need you as a dad. They need you to provide for them your love and your dadship and your, your fatherhood in the best way that you can. So, Dad, you are supposed to work. No question we're supposed to work. We're supposed to provide for them. We're told that many places in the Bible, and I think it's pretty obvious. We don't take the time today to go into that, but it's obvious that we are supposed to work. We're supposed to provide. We're supposed to do everything we can for them. The only time I think that, that it would really be um, wrong for a dad to give their child the best thing is, this, is if the father kept the best thing for himself. If I said, you know, I've, I, I, I can afford something and I'm going to hoard it to myself rather than give it to my child, I think that is wrong. I think a dad needs to understand that if you have limited income, don't hoard it for yourself. Make sure you give it to your kids. Make sure you give it to those that, that need it more than you need it. And I think that's important that we understand that so that we don't... Um, misappropriate that. And I think one other thing that our, our fathers can do for our kids is that they can teach them to have faith by, by, by watching them live out what is said in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is a great passage for those of us that like to worry. Matthew chapter 6, at verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And this is where I think that dads need to show them that faith is absolutely vital. 
continue on in verse 31, it says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And this is the key. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So dads, even though we may be going through some tough times, even though the economy may be tough, and maybe your heart's struggling with the job or whatever your situation is, understand the most important lesson that you can teach your kids about economics is faith. Having faith in God, putting the right priorities in place, making sure that you are seeking first godly things, and then letting God then fulfill your needs. If they see you at the expense of your faith, out getting two or three jobs, thinking that you have to do it all on your own, if you think you have to work so hard to show your kids the value of work and you leave out faith, I'm not sure that you're teaching them the right things. I'm not so sure that you're teaching them really what it, what it means to be a godly man. Seek first, God. Put in your, your, your godly principles and make sure your priorities are first and then teach your kids how to work. Then teach them what it means to, to, to put your best effort in place. But you have to have your right, right priorities. Number three, fathers are protectors. This is a very obvious observation that fathers protect their families. Um, it's very biblical. It's one, one of the most basic human needs and tendencies that we have is to protect our families. And dads, most of us do a pretty good job at that. And that's a godly thing. And I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on men protecting families. That's just what we do. We are to protect what God has given us from all kinds of threats, whether it be uh, physical or spiritual or financial or, or even perceived threats. We're, we're to protect them. Number four, I think this is one that we need to talk about because this is something we often forget. Men, we need to be playmates to our kids. Fathers, you need to be a playmate. You need to teach your kids how to have fun. You need to teach them how to relax. You need to teach them how to spend time and just go out and enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with having fun. There's nothing wrong with taking your, your, your boy or your girl um, hunting, fishing, camping, taking for a, a hike, um, just spending time with them, teaching them that it's fun, playing catch, coaching a baseball team or a basketball team or a soccer team, as long as it's not on Sunday morning, it's fine. I'm just joking a little bit there. Be a Cub Scout leader. Be a Girl Scout. Well, not Girl Scout. That's her mom. This is Father's Day. Be a Cub Scout leader. Be a Boy Scout leader. Be a Royal Rangers leader if we had one in this church. Spend time with your kids. You know, if you think back in your childhood, See if you can remember a fun time you had with your dad. Right now, just take a minute and let your mind wander. I'm going to bring it back in a minute, but let you, what are you laughing at, Aubrey? Oh, our date. Oh, yeah. Tell them about our date. All right, I'll tell them. You're taking my time right now, but I'll tell them about our date. When, when I was, uh, when the girls were younger, I would, um, when we were living in Brighton, I would, I, I made it, uh, I tried to make a point to every once in a while take each individual daughter out for a, for a father-daughter date. And it was always fun. You know, Jenna was always father-daughter dances and stuff, and I hated those. Because I can't dance. And Jenna, I, mean, I, I tried to make it look like it was fun. I really did. I laughed, and I tried, but I was inside thinking, oh. But anyway, uh, so that was Jenna's things. And Summer and I did our things. But Aubrey and I were going to go out on a little date. So I got home on a Friday night. And we were going to get out to this nice restaurant just down the road. And, and Fridays were typically pretty hard days because I was pretty tired by the time Fridays came. And so we're, 
we're, we're at dinner, and we have this uh, nice dinner going on, and, and I can feel it coming. I feel that my legs, my eyelids are getting a little heavy. I'm getting a little tired. I'm thinking, oh, man, if I could only buy a 10-minute nap, I'd be so much better. So we're, e- we're eating, and Aubrey says, Dad, wake up. <laughs> I'm like going, wake up, Dad. So my date with Aubrey was she was waking me up most of the time for dinner, so... I hope I have better memories than that, Aubrey, with you. If that's it, we got some work to do. It's not too late, is it? All right, good, as long as it's not too late. But go back, and, you know, it's important that we have fun memories with our dads and that, that dads um, see that. You, know, you need to understand, dads, that kids never see your bank account. They don't care what's in your bank account. They have no idea how much money you have. As long as you've got a check, you've got money. As long as you can write the check, just take it to the bank. It's all they care about. But all they want is you. Think about it. They don't really care about how much money you have. All they want is time with Dad. Give it to them. Give them some fun times. Give them some fun memories. Don't worry. Put the worry in the back burner for the few minutes and spend time. Go play tennis with your kids. Go do something. Go go just do anything. Even if you're not any good at it, they don't care. In fact, they probably like it because they probably could beat you. So, again, it's not what you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have that matters. So spend time with them. Have fun. And then number five, this is the most important thing and the best to last, and that fathers are to be the priests of their homes. Everything that we've spoken of to this point in time is important. Everything. It's, not, it's, it's important that we take care of their, their, their homes, that they have clothes, that they have food, that they're protected, that they're provided for, that we have fun with them. It's all important stuff. I'm not... I'm not downplaying any of that. But listen, dads, we can do all of that to the best. We can be the best, world's best dad. But if we're not the priest of our home, if we're not leading them and teaching them about Jesus, that everything we've just done is a waste of time. Because they're not going to have any eternity of heaven based upon what you've taught them. We need to teach our children, fathers. You need to be the priest of your home, and you need to not let one thing get in that would compromise that with you. So as important as everything else is, understand the most important thing that you can do is to be the priest of your home, that you can be the pastor of your home. You can be the teacher of your home. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about it. A lot of, in, in Deuteronomy, there's a couple different passages I'm not going to take the time to read them right now because of time slipping by. But it tells us um, that we are to teach our children diligently and that we should talk with them when we're in our house, when we're sitting in our house, when we're standing, when we're walking with them, when we lie down, when you rise up, you're constantly to be teaching your children. And whether you know it or not, you are because they're watching your life. So you may not be speaking the words necessarily, but they're watching your conduct. So you are teaching them all the time by the way you live. And that's more important, quite honestly, than words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, For you know that we dealt with each of you, and this is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, that we deal with each of you as a father deals with his own children, that we, encur- we were encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So Paul was encouraging and comforting and, 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 and trying to urge them to live godly lives. And dads, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. 
We're supposed to be disciplinarians. You're not supposed to be your kid's friend all the time. You'll get that back later. They'll respect you more if you discipline them and do that properly. Hebrews talks about disciplining children. Talks about how, how fathers that when in verse 10, chapter 12, verse 10, says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Here's the key. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, it's so important that we keep all of our thinking long-term. As a dad, as a mom, we always must think down the road a generation. Never think tomorrow is it or today is it. You have to think down the road. If you're not thinking down the road, then you're not going to properly prepare your children to live down the road. You have to be understanding the consequences of today do make a difference, and they do have consequences that will come to bear later on. So we have to keep that long-term thinking in our mind all the time because verse 11 says no discipline seems pleasant at the time. No discipline seems pleasant but painful. It was painful. It's hard to discipline your children. It's hard to be disciplined. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And this is the way godly discipline works in our lives as well. There is nothing more. I think our prayer should be for our kids, maybe starting back at ourselves first. Our prayer should be, Father, change me. Do whatever you need to do in my life as a dad. And then do whatever you have to do in my children's life as the next generation. I don't care what you have to do. I trust you enough that you will allow things to happen that will bring me closer to your son, Jesus. If I can pray that way, if I can really believe that, if I can really release God to do the things in my life that bring me closer to Jesus, I will have a vibrant Christian life and I will have eternity forever. But if I pray, God, bless me so that I have the best car on the block, God, bless me so that my kids have a lot of good stuff in school. What are you really doing? What are you really accomplishing? Are you really doing anything of any significance? So dads, we have to be thinking down the road. And when we pray, give God, if you trust him, like we talked about earlier, how much do you trust God? How much do you trust him? If you trust him enough to let his will be done, so that we all have godly inheritances, godly generational blessings, godly futures, the blessed hope we talked about today in Sunday school, the promise of eternal life. That's the long-term thinking we need to have so that when it comes time to discipline our children, we don't have a problem with it. Because if our, if our, if our perspective is too short-term, then we never want to get past the spanking stage. We, don't, we won't get to it because it's too painful. But if we understand how important it is that we discipline our children and also that we're disciplined by God as adults, then we can then see the perspective of long-term benefits. Very, very, very important. And I think that we can very clear, quickly be caught into a, a false teaching. Dads, I know that this is uh, maybe a little bit pushing it, but I don't think it is too much because, you know, we all have been talking about false teaching quite a bit lately in doctrines. But you know that I can be a false teacher 
Do you know that you can be a false teacher? Do you know that you can be a false prophet in your home? If you're a priest, you can also be a false priest. If you're not living and teaching and, and, and living uh, and, and exercising godly principles in your home, then understand what you're doing to your family. You are a false prophet, and you're taking your family down a false path of destruction. It's a lot of responsibility, Dad, to keep your heart right with God. And the only way that you know how to do that is for you to study the Word of God so that you know, uh, am I false or not? Am I on or not? You have a responsibility, Dad, to be readers. You have a responsibility to read the Bible. You have a responsibility to understand the Word of God so that you can properly teach the Word of God. If you're not understanding it, then you can't teach it. Wow. That's the truth. And I, I don't want to be a false prophet because that's not, there's, not a, there's no future for false prophets. So, dads, let's, uh, we're on the line here. We must be the spiritual leaders of our home. We must be. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says in that little video we just watched, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Very, very important for us to do that. So as we get ready to conclude today, Our, our, our role, Dad, as fathers is really this, wrapped up in one single sentence, to model our Heavenly Father in love, compassion, training, discipline, and encouragement so that we all can share in eternity together. That's really what our mission in life is, to model our Heavenly Father so that we then can have an eternity of hope and peace and joy. Now, the other question I was going to ask you is this. What is, as a son or daughter, what is the one thing you really want to hear your father say to you? What is the one thing that you really want your dad to say to you? I think it's four words. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. That's what we want to hear our dad say. I'm proud of you. That sounds very similar to Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, where Jesus is given a parable about the faithful servant. And the one that does and lives his life right, he says, he's told by when he gets to heaven, he says, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. See, we have an innate desire in our hearts and lives to make our fathers proud. Jack, you can come if you would, please. We have an innate desire that we want to do the things that make our fathers proud. Now let's, again, let's go back to the definition we talked about earlier. If I'm a Christian man, then God is my heavenly father. I want to make him proud. I want to make him proud. I don't want to do things that would bring um, bad repute, bad reputation. I don't want to do the things that would, um, that would in any way mar that relationship. I want him to say, and more than anything, and I'm getting this more and more, more than anything, I want Jesus to say, Mike, you did a good job. That's all I want. I hope that's all you want. It doesn't mean we don't work hard in this life. It doesn't mean we don't take our, our responsibilities seriously because that's part of it. The more you take your life seriously, the more he'll be proud of you because you were good, godly men. We're not talking about just being, um, 
you know, so heavenly minded you are, you are of no influence because we have to understand that we have to work. But I want God to be proud of me. I want him to say, I want him to Mike say, say Mike, you, you made good choices along the way. You did a good job with your family. You did the best you could do. Dads, is that where you're coming from today? If you're a young man and haven't gotten started yet, then, the, then purpose in your heart to be the best godly dad you can be. Don't compromise with worldly standards. Don't, don't mess around here. But determine in your heart to either begin a generational blessing if you don't have one or continue the one that you've been granted. See, some dads here today or some men here don't have dads that gave them a generational blessing. But you can start one today. You can start one today. If you are fortunate enough to have one, then continue it. Then don't, don't waste your time. Don't, don't, don't let it go. Hang into it. If you're in the middle of it, of, of being a dad, don't quit. I know it's tempting just to give up on your kids. You might have a child that may be on the wayward side a little bit, and, and don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. They need you. They need you to keep praying. They need you to keep tilling the field. They need you to keep fertilizing. They need you to keep that seed watered. Don't give up on your kids. Grandpas, if you're here today, pray for your kids. Pray for the younger men. Be available to them. Be a mentor to them. Be willing to lend a godly influence for them and be bold about standing up for godly principles. Don't give in. Don't give in to the worldly issues of saying it'll be okay when it's not. If it's not, say it's not. Deal with it. Help your, help your younger men. Help them live godly lives. I'd like to pray for our dads today. I'd like all the dads, if you would, would you stand? All the fathers, would you stand up? Understand, dads, every one of your da- one, every one of you here today, there's a target, there's a bullseye on your back. And that bullseye is there, been put on there by the enemy because he wants to destroy you. If he can destroy you, he can get to your family. Understand how important you are to this church, to your family, to the generations that you represent. I'd like to uh, pray for all the dads today. If you, if, if you would all just come to the forefront and just dads come up front, and I just wanted to have them families come around and pray for dads today. And it's important, kids, you pray for your dads. It's important, wives, that you pray for your husbands, that we keep them in high regard and we keep praying for them. I have a gift for every man today here after you're walking out. I have a book that I hope everyone would read. It's a book called Every Man... God's man. It's a really good book. It's a book that'll challenge you as a dad. It'll challenge you to live right. It'll challenge you to understand what your requirements are in life and your responsibilities are. So as you leave today, I want to make sure every every father gets a book today and that you will read it. If you're not a reader, read it, please. Read it. It's not hard. It's good. You'll enjoy it, John. You really will. <laughs> But read it. It's a, it's a challenging book. It's a challenging book, but it's good. If, if you'd all stand with me, and if you would come and find your husband or your dad, 
or your grandpa. And let's just take a minute. We want to pray. And we just want to ask God's blessing on all the dads here today. And just pray that God will just honor them. Father, we just thank you now for this day. We thank you for what you are doing in this church. And thank you for all the families that are represented here. Lord, I thank you for for those that um, their dads aren't here for whatever reason. Maybe, they've, maybe they're already in heaven. Maybe they've already passed on. Or for whatever situation, Lord, we know that you love us all. You love them. And Lord, we just pray that you would just minister to us, Holy Spirit. Draw us as a family closer together. Lord, draw us into your relationship closer with you, Father. Help us never, ever to submit to worldly passions and wanting to be popular. That's so ineffective and so wrong. Help us not to be afraid of living for you, God. Dads, that we would be bold, that we would be bold for you, be bold for Jesus. And as we do, we are leading a generation of blessing in our homes and in our lives. So, Lord, I pray that as we go today that we would have great Father's Day celebrations today. Lord, just go with us and minister to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.